what's great to be able to reach to so many of you from so many places from the Father's Church here on this uh, July 4th Eve. And um, I know that God has blessed us abundantly during the first part of this year. And I know that um, the second half of the year is going to be even greater with the things that God is going to do. And with that, um, we, uh, we have strongly felt that we needed to be a people who um, went before the Lord, offered our thanks to Him for what He had done, not just in the past six months, but just in general, so many tremendous things He's been doing, and then to look forward in praise toward what He's going to do in the rest of this year of grace. <clears throat> and um, I didn't really realize that when God started to talk to us about um, the New Testament dimensions of grace and supplication and how that that kind of partnership with God where he gives you the impression of what he's wanting to do and he tells you things that you need to begin to represent and declare uh, I didn't realize you know so many of the times when God gives us insights like that they're for us to learn and then to just have at the ready to use but he has just been incessantly putting on my heart how that that's the way he partnerships this is the way he has enabled his children to represent him specifically in this hour he's doing it in ways that are eternal and so with that he's going to be um, drawing us into a, 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 a I don't want to say different place but a but a place in him that is uh, more I don't want to say intense either I wish I knew a word I know what it feels like in the spirit realm but words in in our languages on earth fail to tell what it really is but a place of of closeness and a place of heightened responsibility in his heart and there he needs to anoint us to hear him more clearly and, and you know i i've gained this that it's not just being able to interpret or to listen and perceive something this kind of grace and supplication prayer uh, this kind of gleaning the prosuke this kind of gaining that judgment type of assessment comes more from an exchange with god it comes more from um interacting with him talking with him uh answering his questions and uh, not necessarily asking him questions but uh, hearing from him answering the things that the spirit stirs in us but it's it's more of an interchange than it is the the standard interpreting what we pray in the spirit so this kind of grace and supplication truly is partnership but it's um but it's it's an interaction it's a commune back and forth and through that then you you come away with the assessment of what he uh, 
he wants you to represent, to declare. And sometimes the things that he says to you or the things that he asks you are in themselves positions, divine positions, that you then release. Sometimes the thing that he stirs your heart to answer, when you answer out of your innermost being, you you are making the type of declaration that he's pleased with. So, you know, we've we've as pneumaticos people, we've studied the word, we've we've gained ramas from him, we've participated in fivefolds and in different types of interpretation settings where we are seeing something or we're hearing something or we're 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 gaining a measure of interpretation. Those are all great things. Those are ways that God speaks. But I find that most of the time when I have been pursuing this diesis prosuke, this prayer and supplication, which is a partnership with the Spirit of Grace, the way that God says things to me, the way he makes clear what it is that I'm supposed to be doing in in representing him in partnership, it comes through conversation. And and um, so how does that how does that happen? You know, when I say something like that, if I were to tell you what I do, it may not be the way you're going to do it. And so I don't want you to think, well, it's not happening with me that way. And uh, so I must be doing something wrong. Uh, here's here's what here's what the setting for this is for me. I'll I'll come before the Lord and I'll just begin to pray in the spirit which is normal for us and then I'll be very sensitive to when I when I have a divine thought registering in me now that's going to be different than you thinking up a problem you have or remembering some prayer request or having a, a fear that you're trying to express a, a truly a divine thought is something that that rises like like grace does a horizon within you and you you grasp or you think of something that you hadn't thought of and you know you just sense the resonance that it's from God and when I sense that kind of thing it takes many different forms I just begin to meditate on it and I begin to kind of stir it in my spirit as I'm praying in the spirit I keep stirring my spirit through praying in the spirit and I let my mind entertain that thing that God says and pretty soon something will rise in the, to the surface some kind of a of a uh, an epiphany some kind of a of a thing that um, is an application of that thought and I'll just I'll just praise the Lord for it I'll I'll speak that thing out to him and and I just allow that then to begin to to resonate within me and pretty soon then off of that there'll be um, an, an insight or some kind of a thought that comes that's like a question and um, I'll I'll think of on that question and then pretty soon the spirit will have have a, an answer come through me and I'll begin to talk about that 
and I, I just praise him for it. And I just let that conversation go. I don't really ask God anything during this because then I'm charting the course and I'm not really wanting to chart the course. I'm wanting to hear what he says and to react and respond to it. And so to me, that's, that's how this type of grace intercession transpires it's conversational but it's generated by god and i respond to it and i i try to let my spirit my see your spirit was made for this this isn't something that you you were at the end of the line and they'd run out by the time you got created you know your spirit was made for this and um you know, but, but like it is, I'm telling you all these things, the ingredients are going to be at the bottom. You're going to have to discover them. You're, you're, going, to have to, you're going to have to discover through the process of gleaning with the Lord what these things are. But that's how this, that's how this grace and supplication operates. That's how this, um, this diasis and prosuke comes. And, and it's, it's good in a way because um, where we're going to talk tonight, and we're going to speak briefly because I know this is a holiday evening, and uh, some of you, so many of you are busy. You may be having church functions tonight. You may listen to this tomorrow when you're getting ready to go to some kind of a party or whatever. So uh, I feel like the Lord wants us to have an assignment, and it has to do with our nation, and it's found in... 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. We've taught on this before, <clears throat> but tonight we're going to talk about it based on what I was just saying. Paul writes to Timothy, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, that's diasis, prosuke, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come under the knowledge of the truth. And then it goes on. It says wonderful things. But <clears throat> he says that we need to do this fourfold progression. The diasis, prosuke, and then ecticano, and then a derivative of, of grace, the giving of thanks. Those four things, and it says for all men, but it specifically talks about for kings and for all those who are in authority. And it says that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life. It's interesting that peaceable is not the, the regular Greek term, erene. It's a word that means that you won't lose your place that you won't surrender territory that where god has brought you you'll be positioned so that you can expand from that or to move to the next place that's a really unique word but i think all of us who are in any ways aware recognize that our our nation is in really unique position right now uh, we're being blessed, but there's more contention than I can than I can ever remember. Um, you know, there was a lot of contention back in the 30s and even in the 40s 
um, the communists were, were really rising up in, in a lot of ways. There were massive parades and marches in our cities for the Communist Party. And even during uh, the first part of World War II, there were a lot of marches that were going on, uh, protesting our involvement in the war and, um, and really stating that we needed to strike a peace with our combatant, the, the people that we were uh, battling against, the Nazis the, and the, uh, uh, the people in Japan, um, the Axis powers. But um, we don't read about that very much because we all like to see the ticker tape parades and the, you know, the big kisses that were being given when the, the different victories happened in Times Square. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about those things, but there was a lot of contention then, you know. Um, and that's what set the stage then for when we won for the, for the, uh, for the various types of McCarthyism that um, we're, we're trying to root out communism. Um, in the 60s, when I was a kid, my goodness, there was so much turmoil going in in our country. You had the hippies, you had the Vietnam War rising up after Kennedy was killed. Uh, you had uh, a lot of racial, racial turmoil. You had major cities, the Watts riots in Los Angeles. You had cities being burned. I remember uh, in 1968, my dad was, I was just a kid, you know, at that point I was uh, 11, and he he was down at the mill working with all these guys, and they were all getting their, getting guns and getting ready because they thought we were going to have kind of like a civil war in our country, and uh, thankfully though, my, the Lord used that fear to caused my dad to want to move out from more of the center of Pittsburgh out into the suburbs and that's where I basically went to high school. I got a much better education there but that was because of the fear of of riots and uh, civil war. <laughs> that was a very real thing. So we've had a lot of things. I remember in the 70s when the Watergate thing happened and and you had you had Deep Throat. You had all these Woodward investigations and then you know, Nixon, I am not a crook. And, you know, all that stuff. That Those were some really rough times. But I don't remember anything like what we're facing now. I really don't. Of course, every, every generation thinks that what they're facing is the worst. And then after they get through it, it was the best. Um, but, you know, this is really a contentious moment. And there are so there's so much evil and so much wickedness that's just being trumpeted. I don't know whether it's the the different uh, internet capacities and social networking and all the channels that are on and you know back back in those days. I mean, the first parts of the things I mentioned they only had radio, and um, then in the 60s you had three stations on TV and public broadcasting was just coming so you didn't you didn't hear a lot of dissenting for the most part uh, other than Dan Rather you, you you basically had everybody toting the party line but there wasn't a lot of exchange of gathering up people that were were uh, stirred up 
to protest or whatever. But whatever is going on now is a challenge. So the reason I'm saying this is that when you go before the Lord in prayer and you know you're supposed to be a voice of grace in the midst of this nation or whatever it is, whatever nation you're you're part of listening to this broadcast, uh, it's difficult not to consider all the turmoil and all the craziness that is continually on the airwaves. And, uh, and you can feel it in the spirit realm. You know, it's funny, too, because I don't pay a lot of attention to this. And, you know, when we first started to pray uh, back uh, in 96, you know, everything that you were sensing in the spirit realm was so new that you just, you just watched it. It's kind of like when a parent brings a first child home. You know, everything they do is noteworthy. Well, after you had the second or third, you know, you just make sure they don't kill each other. But, you know, you know, you don't pay attention to a lot of things. And there's so much stuff that goes on when we pray and in the spirit realm that I just don't pay attention to a lot of it anymore. But I have noticed this. There's a, there's, when, when, when you face warfare, and, you know, that'll happen every couple days in intercession, the, the enemy seems to be a whole lot more aggressive. He seems to be a whole lot more indignant. And, and you can sense it. And it's different than what it was 10 years ago or even 20 years ago. Back then, you know, the enemy, when you'd see him, you could tell he didn't like you, but he was kind of wary of you, you know. And he, he, would, he would do what he was doing, but there was kind of a, you know, almost a, a, a godly awe um, but now, I, I suppose that it's the enemy knowing that his time is short, maybe the empowerment of all kinds of strife that engenders every evil work that's all around us. There seems to be kind of a cockiness and almost a pressing, a pressing, not oppressing, but a pressing of the atmosphere. And sometimes when you're praying, the things that you would normally ignore are kind of... Um, you know, they're kind of in your face. And so the point I'm bringing this to is how do you engage in this kind of conversational grace and supplication to hear from God when all this other malarkey is going on around you or when your mind and your emotions wants to say things? Uh, you know, that's that's one thing about what's going on now. I I hear it and I'm almost I'm in disbelief that people in our nation are the way they are. I, I, and then that makes me angry. And, and I think, what in the world's wrong? And sometimes I want to say things that I know are not godly. You know, not, not what you said earlier. But things that are, are really not godly. Worse than that. <laughs> but, you know, you, you have to... You have to almost, you know, you have to begin to pray. And that's the beauty of diversities of tongues because it, it, it is designed to have a main line in the spirit between you and God. And it bypasses the mind, and the mind should submit to that. And sometimes it takes a while for you to calm your mind down and to let that, let that, spiritual capacity rise 
And you really have to monitor yourself to where you get to that. You get to that point, and then you preserve that point. But still, when you get to that point, who you are as a person is grasping for answers, especially, especially when we're serving the throne of grace. God may not be wanting to address any of the mess that's going on right then. It may not be his timing. And, um, you know, you see that a lot in the Bible where either Jesus or David or Moses, they're moving forward and all everybody around them has advice and opinions as to what should be done. Let me go up and kill that dog. Let me cut the ear off this guy. Let me go and let's bring down lightning and destroy these ones, you know. But God doesn't want to do anything about that right then, even though you know he's not pleased with it. And so we've got to get to that point where we're representing God and talking to him in the midst of all this other malarkey that's going on. So you, you can't just pray your prayer list. You can't just pray what you think should be done. And a lot of the thing, times it's real easy to discern between good and evil. So it would be real easy to say, you know, Lord, shut these people up and we bind them in Jesus' name. Let the lying lips be silent. We can go down all kinds of verses. But God may have a grace remedy that he's wanting to speak to you about that, that is not of this earth. It, it's, it's, an eternal, it's an eternal impartation that is not temporal. And so you've, you've got to go beyond yourself even after you've calmed yourself, your mind down. And that's, that is an art. It's something that we have to learn. I, I would say that, you know, you really don't impart it because where's that impartation going to be two weeks from now when you're tired and you've just had it? Impartation goes out the window then so you've got to learn how to function in the vessel that God created you to be and there's a time you can you, there's a place where you enter in after you've gone through the process I, I wait on the Lord I pray in diversities of tongues I get my mind submitted and my spirit um, activated and but then there's a place beyond that well in can, adjacent to that that you're expecting to commune and to converse with god and it's this place of grace which is why the book of hebrews says let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace and you're going to obtain mercy and mercy is commune with god that's what happened at the mercy seat that's what God did when you came to the mercy seat. He spoke in the presence of the cherubs, and his representative heard, where are the people supposed to go? How long are we supposed to wait? What are we supposed to do? What do you want to say to them? That's what mercy is. So you obtain mercy there, and then you find grace. You find, you emerge with God's mindset and what steps he wants you to take next. It may not be the total victory, but it's a step toward the victory. And um, we, want the, we want the grand slam. We want the three-run homer. God's more about small ball. 
You know, he wants you to take your pitches. He wants you to get on base. He wants you to, you know, he, he loves the journey. If he, if he was just all about taking you to the end zone, where would faith be? Where would partnership be? Where's the valley of the shadow of death? So God loves that, and you've got to submit yourself to it. And when you start to converse, then you, you gain the assessment of what God's thinking, and you, you emerge from that time with what he says here in 1 Timothy 2. I exhort that first of all, or the priority of what you do is this, supplication and prayer, diasis prosuke. That's your agenda. And that's that conversation that I've just been talking about. The next word is the word that is used to describe the way Jesus prayed in the Garden of, of Gethsemane. It's that, it's that enticano where, where there's a suddenly kind of an insight or a suddenly kind of an expression where you have an appointment of some sort and something becomes really uh, uh, crystalline to you and you know, okay, this is an objective. This is something that has to be done. And the last thing is giving thanks is really caris. You, you see where grace is taking you. And you give that for all men, but for kings and for those that are in authority. This is what our nation needs right now. <laughs> you know, I was watching the shenanigans that went on just yesterday, and I'm dating this broadcast. And I got to be really careful because I know there's a lot of different, I don't really see how this can be, but there are a lot of different um, political viewpoints in the people that I'm speaking of too. Excuse me while I have a sip of coffee from my faithful servant mug that was given to me by the dwelling house. <clears throat> so I was listening to all the craziness that went on down at uh, one of the border stations yesterday. And um, you know, had a congressional representative that went down there and was just firing off all kinds of stuff. And then you had a delegation of Latin pastors that went and viewed the whole, the, the same thing, but actually went in and viewed the thing. And they emerged with a totally different take on what was going on there. And then you had Border Patrol agents that were saying that this is what occurred and we have the video. And then you have these other representatives that came from D.C. who were saying that something entirely different happened. You had all the political pundits that were all chiming in and uh, stirring up their constituency. And, you know, it, it's just craziness. It's just craziness. And then, you know, they'll all start citing surveys and their facts. And then one side will give their facts, and the other side will say, well, I don't want your facts. I've got my own facts. Truth is truth, after all. So, you know, somewhere in the middle is the real truth. And I listen to this, and I, I just get ticked. <laughs> I think this is malarkey. This is just so 
crazy, but it's indicative of what's going on all across our nation. And not just our nation, in, in the nations. It's kind of refreshing to be down in Brazil because they don't seem to they don't seem to, to have political correctness down there, which is refreshing. It's like breathing the free air again, you know? You can't say anything without being maligned as being some kind of vulgar or filthy person, you know? And uh, so all of this is stirring. You talk about the accuser of the brethren. He's sure getting his courts ready. And it's just all there. So I'm thinking, all right, we're representatives. We're saints. We're the people of God. We're sons. And our Father has us interceding for his mysteries. But there's something that he's wanting us to partner with him in, in the progression of grace, which is leading toward a visitation of his spirit upon this land in the midst of this sin abounding. His great grace that much more abounds wants to come. But nothing happens without a voice Nothing happens without an intercessor. Anytime God wants to intervene, he searches for an intercessor. And if we're going to bring great grace in this season, we've got to be agents of grace. So early in the morning, I woke up again (laughs) this morning, which is why I'm drinking coffee out of my dwelling house cup. And... um, so I just started to pray, and I said, Father, we're here in this nation. We've got responsibilities for other nations, but there's something in this terio that you want us to be expressing. And I, I just started to pray in the Spirit because I wanted to hear what he wanted to say in grace about what our nation, what our, we don't have a king, we have a president what our president needs at this time what the people around him need and um, you know we want to keep we we want to we want to be able to function without the opposition that the enemy would like to bring and we don't want to lose our position that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty so i just begin to do what i said I begin to pray in the spirit. I let my mind. Oh, oh, and I I just had a dream that was kind of like a warfare dream. And I saw a bunch of stuff that really made me mad in this dream. It was opposition from enemy influences. Some people that, that I know that aren't doing what they're supposed to do now. And I could see them doing things that the enemy was motivating them to do. And in the dream, I stood up and pointed my finger at them and declared something and so I woke up and I thought well that was interesting I'm certainly not peaceful right now and so I had to come into this place that I've been trying to describe so I just prayed in the spirit until I felt my mind become subdued and I, uh, I just, I let it be known in my spirit that I wanted to enter into this place where I could just commune with God. And it's funny because he asked me a question, or I felt, 
I felt that God was asking me a question. And as he asked this question, as I prayed, I started thinking answers to this. It was like point one, two, three. And I began to, to say those back. And as I said them, I could feel um, I could feel a measure of release and relief. And so uh, I just started to entertain the, uh, those three simple answers about what was going on uh, in the spirit realm. It had nothing to do with the border clash, nothing to do with the dream I just had. It was, it was things that I felt God wanted us to release into the spirit realm at this time that would benefit all of the saints. And before I knew it, I was just really feeling happy about it. I, the more I was not declaring that, but you know, I declare in Jesus' name, you've got to use vibrato in your voice if you really want it to work. Um, but as I was communing about that, meditating about it, I could feel kind of a, a delight in the Lord. And, and as, as I entertained that for a little while, then I, I did then start saying things about where God wanted to take us in that one f- frame. And, and, and after it was over, I got up and um, I was up for the day then. But it had nothing to do to my mind with what I'd gotten agitated about with uh, uh, our national conundrum down at the border. Uh, it had nothing to do with what I saw about the, in that dream, but it was a it was a grace venture. Now, what I know is that there are times, and here's the assignment. I feel like sometime tomorrow or sometime this weekend, we need to go individually before the Lord and specifically try to enter into this place and ask Him for some kind of a thing that he wants us to agree with before him for our president and for the agenda that God is wanting to fulfill through him being in the White House. Something that needs to be done that that is of God in God's timetable um, that is being opposed. And um, I, I think that God will, God will speak to us. And because it says that we're supposed to pray for kings. Now, I know Mel Brooks says it's good to be the king. But I'm sure that in any land back in the old days when you had a king, it really wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. It wasn't Romeo and Juliet. In fact, read about what Samuel said that God told him to tell the people that would happen to them when they had a king. I mean, it was oppressive. You know, he's going to make demands of you. He's going to take your sons and impress them into military service. He's going to do all these things. So as, as much as some people may not like whoever's r- ruling in our country, it's not a king. So <laughs> uh, we can ask God for insights in grace to release for that person that is our elected leader. And this is what Paul said to do. So I'm, I'm asking that we can, you know, we can go before the Lord 
and enter into this grace covenant and hear from him. It may not be a long Wittenberg door expression, you know, with 101 points. It, it may just be an expression. It may be encouragement. It may be um, protection. It, it may be inspiration. It may be the pushing away of some kind of opposition that the enemy has brought that's been hidden to this point. I don't know what God will say, but that, that type of commune in grace brings about a type of conversation with the Father <clears throat> that is really a refreshing thing, and you can't predict what, it's, what, it's, what direction it's going to take. I know there have been a lot of teachings that have gone out in my lifetime, and most recently there have been some really popular ones that you get your case together and you go before God and you argue your case. This isn't about your case. This is about His grace. Hey, that rhymes. So um, mark that down. This isn't about... Oh, I won't... Ron, you're making... All right. So... Um, but you, uh, you should expect that God's going to deal with you this way. <laughs> and, and, and He will, because you were made to do this. It's, it's, um, it's a new dimension that, that's really eternal, and it's been there. But now God's shining a, a definitive light on it, and he expects for all of his sons and saints to be functioning this way. Now, it doesn't do away with the other kinds of intercession we offer. You're still going to be proscuneoing, praying for an hour and a half or, or longer. I mean, you're still going to be doing that. I mean, there's all kinds of different prayer. But we need to regularly attempt or present ourselves to enter in to this this supplication and prayer because it is it is grace and it is um, it is a, a really important facet for our growth and development our representing God as sons and as saints and it will it will bring about ma major changes in the world because you're functioning as a son, and uh, I, I'm just really blessed by that. So sometime, I know we've got first Saturday, this coming Saturday, and that word uh, directive should be coming. We r remind you to be faithful to that. But sometime between now and then, make sure you set aside some time to, to try this. Some of you are already doing it. Some of you haven't done it. Um, let God lead you. If, if the first time through you don't have some earth-changing experience, don't, don't be discouraged. I mean, what would happen if every time you tried to do something, uh, you, you, you quit after the first debacle? I remember, I remember my, you know, my dad, when I, was, when I was supposed to learn to drive, every kid wanted to I don't know what it was like down here in Texas some of you got hardship licenses so you were driving when you were six but you know up in Pennsylvania you had to be 16 now my dad had no intention of teaching me how to drive that was not going to happen I don't know why he just didn't think that way so uh, 
but thankfully my school had driver's ed so I took driver's ed and here I got in the car with these three other kids and the teacher and uh, all of them had been driving with their parents not me you know I'd watched but I'd never done it so when I got in f behind the wheel you know it was all new to me and man I was scared I didn't want to act like I was scared because I wasn't going to show any of those other kids I was scared and um, so I'm driving along and um, you know he, he said you're getting a little close to the curb over there <laughs> so I got back over and and I didn't have to drive very far we drove up to McDonald's and so that he could get some coffee which was a great thing and when I pulled in the next kid took over and I went and sat in the back I didn't wreck I didn't crash into anything but I thought man that was terrible I don't know if I want to do that anymore but I didn't quit two days later I was doing it again and my goodness when I remember when it was time to take my test you had to go out to where the state troopers were and my dad wasn't going to take me out there so it just so happened that my brother who's the handful brother came and he had he had a Cadillac that was about five blocks long <laughs> so he was going to take me out and I thought there is no way, Bev, there's no way in the world I'm making a three-point turn in this car. I need a three-acre turn in this car. But thankfully, this massive vehicle gave me favor with the state trooper, and I told him, he said, he said, boy, this is, you must really be confident. And I said, what do you mean? He said, you came in the biggest car in Pennsylvania. <laughs> And so I told him, I said, well, no, I, I, my, my permit expires next week, and my dad wouldn't bring me, so I had my brother came in. This is his car. And so really, he says, your dad wouldn't take you? I said, no, so I got to pass or I'm done. I, it's all, I've only got a week. He said, well, let's see what you can do. But he was really nice to me, and somehow I made that three-point turn, but I was scared, my goodness. I'm glad I didn't give up driving, you know. So you may try to do these things. Don't, after one or two times, think, oh, that's not for me. This is scripture. You were made for this. Keep pressing. It's what God is showering down upon all of us. And um, we're, we're doing this. So spend some time on this Independence holiday. Find a time. And spend time before the Lord and expect that he's going to say something about our president and about things that are happening. There, who knows? I mean, see, our perspective is not just God bless America. Man, I said I was going to end early. I'm almost done. Um, but our perspective is eternal. Our perspective is what God's timetable is. And our perspective is for us to be his agents in these crazy times. So he may speak to you about the Middle East. He may speak to you about what's going on here and the various sin lobbies that are manifesting themselves. 
I don't know what he'll talk about, but somehow you're going to be able to speak a word over the governance that will equip the president and this administration to accomplish what God wants them to accomplish in this time frame. And that's the main thing. And it may surprise you what God speaks to you about. You know, it really might. So that's our assignment, saints. And we're not, I'm not asking you to write it down and submit it. This is between you and God. And there's power there. So, Father, I ask that you will use your saints and that this assignment that I know is from you would be a fruitful time for all of us. We may end up doing it every day. We may do it a couple times a day. But at least, Lord, let your people be guided as to when they should set apart time. And I ask that you will shower your presence upon them and guide them in these things that you created them to do. Let great grace be upon all of us. And really, Father, for those who live in America, may God truly, may you truly bless this country and let us be what we are to be in this unique time in your eternal plan. And we thank you for this, Father. Thank you for the privilege of, of uh, this partnership. And we, we thank you for it. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, happy 4th of July. And, uh, you know, I was reading an article. It was from a French newspaper. And they were mocking the United States for calling this holiday the 4th of July. Because, you know, why don't we call it July 4th? We always call it the 4th of July. And they said, you're, you're saying it like a European. You're putting the day before the month. But, you know, anyway, they were mocking us. They find every way they can to mock us. But whatever you call it, 4th of July or July 4th, have a wonderful time. And uh, thanks for being here and for tuning in tonight. God bless you all.